Chapter Twelve of A Gringo in Manana Land by Harry L. Foster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve: Up and Down Guatemala, Part One. One from uh, tapuchula to the guatemalan border there was a train every two or three days provided traffic warranted so much service it took me through a bamboo forest and dropped me at suciate a straggling village of thatched huts beside a muddy river where i had my first experience with the formalities attendant upon the crossing of a central american frontier first one had to secure permission from the mexican authorities to leave their country in a whitewashed shed three leisurely gentlemen in their shirt-sleeves were visiting passports before they would proceed one had to obtain stamps procurable only at another shack located as always in these countries at the opposite end of town and reached by trudging through deep sand beneath the broiling sun and when after half an hour or more one returned with the stamps there were questions why were we leaving mexico when where were we going why what had we done in mexico why the devil did we come there anyway what was our profession married or single how many children why where were they and how and when one had convinced the officials of his respectability there was another long hike across an endless sunny grass plain to a palm-thatched shelter at the river-bank where other officials ransacked the baggage a boatman poled the few immigrants across the swirling waters to guatemala and the entire proceeding recommenced on the other side the guatemalan officials had no office they stood in the shade of a pepper tree flanked on one side by a squad of barefooted soldiers on the other by an ox-cart and backed by the town's juvenile population they pretended very solemnly to read every word in the passports although one traveller's was in russian and another in syrian they paused now and then to shake their heads doubtfully and exchange suspicious glances but at length when every one had proved his solvency by displaying thirty-five dollars in american currency guatemalan bills not being considered sufficient proof of solvency they passed us all baggage was loaded upon the ox-cart and we started for the custom-house led by the soldiers and followed by the juvenile population there was another wait of more than an hour while the custom inspector finished his lunch took his siesta and smoked his cigarette at last however he made his appearance scribbled in chalk all over the outside of trunks and suitcases filled out several printed reports and collected from each of us ten guatemalan dollars or fourteen cents in american money and the formalities were concluded we were officially admitted to the republic of guatemala two from ayutla the guatemalan frontier station to guatemala city was another day's ride the railway coaches if possible were just a trifle more dilapidated than those of mexico but the train made better time the way led through a continuation of the bamboo forests but it soon rose to the cooler highlands where volcanic cones towered into the clouds one or two of the craters were smoking filling the sky with dense masses of white vapour and sprinkling the earth with a fine lava dust to all central america these volcanoes are blessings occasionally the attendant earthquakes may shake down a city 
but the lava dust enriches the soil and a good coffee crop provides the wherewithal for reconstruction the pacific slopes of guatemala are exceedingly fertile coming from mexico where revolution had brought a sensation of work one noticed the air of prosperity in this little central american country the hills everywhere were red with coffee berries the plantations were neatly kept and the peons all seemed busy they were very small these guatemalan indians so small that they suggested lilliputians but remarkably sturdy they appeared to earn their living principally by carrying bundles every woman on the road was galloping along with swift flat-footed stride swinging her arms as though paddling her way balancing on her head a basket of produce or a great cluster of earthenware jars every man had a load upon his back sometimes so much larger than himself that he resembled a tiny ant struggling beneath a huge beetle he supported his burden with straps over his shoulders and with a band about his forehead so that by inclining his neck forward or back he could shift the weight these people showed no bulging muscle theirs was the smooth modelling of the indian physique that concealed tremendous strength they seemed never to pause for rest but trotted untiringly serving as pack animals in the more remote regions for fourteen cents a day and carrying a hundred and fifty pounds for twelve hours or more they were the most colourful types to be seen south of tehuatepec each village had its own distinctive costume particularly among the women at one station they were wearing short purple jackets that disclosed six inches of bronze stomach at another they were clad in tight blue skirts a waist of print cloth and a wide sash of blazing scarlet wrapped tightly about the hips at another they were draped in zarapes with a design picturing such confusion as might occur if a bolt of lightning were to become entangled in a rainbow guatemala is essentially an indian republic among its two million two hundred and fifty thousand people who incidentally comprise forty per cent of the total population of central america there are a million of pure aboriginal ancestry the whites are comparatively scarce yet this is the least democratic of the local nations and the whites dominate it completely the greater part of the country belongs to a few wealthy landlords either native or german and the peon although not mistreated has little to say about his government but the peon always has employment and guatemala is prosperous one noticed that the train did not stop long for indians who wished to board it as did trains in mexico if a wealthy hacendado were seen advancing down the road the conductor waited for him if two dozen barefoot passengers were at the station the engineer tooted his whistle peremptorily paused only for a moment allowed them to scramble aboard as best they could and was off again after mexico this speed was startling considering the size of central american republics one feared lest the train overrun the boundary lines and trespass upon the sovereignty of salvador or honduras but it stayed within its own domain turning eastward and climbed out of the coffee-covered pacific slopes to the pine-clad heights of central guatemala landing us in the evening at guatemala city four thousand eight hundred and seventy feet above the sea three 
to the american at home all central america is a heat-stricken jungle he invariably greets the returned traveller with i'll bet you're glad to get back to god's country as a matter of fact guatemala city like tegucigalpa in honduras and san jose in costa rica and some several other cities in all these countries has a climate which no city in the united states can equal it is pleasantly warm at midday and delightfully cool at night the traveller in these parts always pities the american at home who freezes for six months and sweats for six months he never can understand why the poor fellow doesn't let the farm go to seed and move down to a decent climate four the guatemalan capital is a pleasant city but not handsome built low and massively it gives one the impression that it is patiently waiting another earthquake in its past it has been moved about from time to time in the hope that it might find a resting-place free from nature's assaults but another tremor always finds it and shakes it to pieces it was destroyed in nineteen seventeen and again in nineteen eighteen a writer never dares use the phrase the last earthquake since another one is apt to occur before his book reaches print at the time of my visit in nineteen twenty four its builders had apparently become discouraged many of the buildings were still but a heap of crumbled ruins the streets were rough paved with cobbles partially dislodged and marked with crazy trails which traffic had worn out in years of zigzagging from curb to curb in an effort to find passage the drivers of the little old cabs worked their way along these streets like sailors tacking through a tortuous channel and only large automobiles were in evidence for the smaller variety so popular in mexico would have shaken passengers to death at the main plaza the cathedral was surrounded by piles of debris since guatemala keeps the church in the same restraint as does mexico the bishop could not afford to rebuild every year or two the edifice now stood with columns seamed and cracked with dome and towers completely gone and with its greenish silver bells protected by improvised board shelters the interior also presented a patched effect and a ruined altar was replaced by a less ornate substitute but business was proceeding as usual guatemala however is the largest city in central america its population estimated as accurately as anything is estimated in these parts numbers something between a hundred and two hundred thousand if a triple crumbled it is the most complete city hereabouts there are many shops several banks a number of theatres and a host of excellent hotels there is local colour in abundance for indians in picturesque garb walk the streets lounge in the plaza and congregate in the native market behind the cathedral quite as primitive as in the rural districts there is electric light a system of mail-boxes set into the house walls at every corner and even a cafe with an orchestra at every half block for those who crave modernity these cafes are really a distinguishing feature of guatemala city elsewhere in central america waitresses are usually waiters here the waiters are usually waitresses rather coquettish little senoritas whose smiles are served gratis with every order the coffee kings gather there nightly to keep their wealth in circulation and to bask in the smiles 
they drink somewhat immoderately as in mexico and wait patiently to the closing hour only to learn that the girl's own parents call to take them straight home but the coffee kings are ever hopeful they come back night after night and the cafes possess a gaiety that adds to the city's attractiveness neither revolution nor earthquake nor disappointment in love can dampen the good humour of these countries five by chance on my first evening in guatemala city i was held up by a highwayman i was rambling about unaccustomed streets when a polite little brown gentleman stepped out of a doorway poked a revolver into my ribs and said courteously pardon signora please to raise both the hands above the head and to tell me in which pocket i shall find your watch and your money my watch was one of those cheap things which the traveller always carries for such an emergency my money formed a large wad but it was all in guatemalan currency and i had my doubts as to whether my assailant would accept it back in tapachula the guatemalan consul having visaed my passport had refused the moth-eaten bills of his own country demanding american greenbacks but finally compromising upon mexican gold the highwayman however was too polite to refuse i thank you greatly signor he said again i beg your pardon and bid you adios covering me with the revolver he stepped back around a corner when i looked to see where he had gone he was running furiously down the dark street he had taken a hundred and fourteen guatemalan dollars or about ninety cents in american coinage six in any central american republic one notices a home equality lacking in the larger territory of mexico in these smaller nations every one of any prominence knows every one else the capital is something of a latinized main street this is more true of the little countries to the south but guatemala is not completely an exception its provincialism manifests itself particularly in the newspaper which savours always of the local country weekly although a flowery verbosity gives it a unique distinction in mexico city one finds a press quite the equal of the american with a several-page daily edition that shows an appreciation of news values and a sunday edition complete even to rotograph your picture section and comic supplement in guatemala city one finds a little four-page sheet published apparently by some gentleman who desires an organ for the glorification of his friends and the vilification of his enemies on its first page is the feature story of a party given last night by the editor's brother-in-law don guillermo pan y queso escobar whose palatial mansion was graced by a felicitous gathering of our most illustrious men and our most charming women truly representative of the very cream of our distinguished society and so on with an ever-swelling multitude of flattering adjectives beside it is an account of the commencement exercises of the local stenographic college of which the editor's uncle is the principal an event which seems to have been a complete success 
for it was celebrated with an eclat both artistic and educational unsurpassed in the history of our city and every number of the delightful and uplifting program was greeted by rapturous applause the audience sitting spellbound as the estimable virtuous and pulchritudinous senoritas of the student body demonstrated their efficiency by taking down in shorthand almost word for word the speech of the director our sympathetic and greatly admired fellow-countryman don ricardo contando y bailando chavez to whom great credit is due for the distinction and finesse with which the entire entertainment and thus and thus until the article closes with a list of the persons present the illustrious and distinguished everybody in the audience who wore shoes on the last inside page hidden among the advertisements are the brief cablegrams from the rest of the world announcing the death of lenin the invasion by france of the german ruhr and such other unimportant events as the destruction of tokyo by earthquake and the election of a new american president or a war in europe seven guatemala contained a large colony of foreigners there were many germans engaged in the coffee business on the pacific slopes many americans from the banana plantations of the caribbean coast a few exiled european noblemen who had come with the remnants of their former fortunes to live as long as possible without working in a country where living was cheap and several old-timers all with the rank of general who had fought in the various past revolutions of central america and were now resting upon their laurels these countries have long been the happy hunting-ground of the soldier of fortune of whom the greatest since william walker was general lee christmas who died at new orleans while i was at the scene of his exploits christmas came to central america as a locomotive engineer it had been his profession in mississippi until a wreck followed by an investigation brought out the fact that he was color-blind and could not distinguish signals central america was less strict about such things in those days in fact most of the old-time engineers are said to have driven their trains with a whiskey flask handy and with few worries about such things as signals christmas found employment but he became accidentally entangled in an insurrection and formed the habit on one occasion when he was driving an engine in guatemala he is said to have received news of an outbreak in honduras and to have left his train with all its freight and passengers standing on the track while he hopped out of the cab window and hiked overland through the jungles to join the fray his greatest exploit was that of repulsing an entire army with a machine-gun assisted only by one other gringo a colonel guy maloney now superintendent of police in new orleans he drifted from one country to another wherever a fight seemed most promising followed by troops that varied in number from two men to fourteen thousand he was a good scout too agreed most of the old-timers in guatemala city he'd give you his last cent if you needed it he'd have been a millionaire if he'd saved half the money he got from the governments he helped but he blew it all in on parties he'd get drunk with you or he'd go down the line with you or he'd fight you anything to please his friends he was pretty square usually when he held office when he was chief of police up into guchigalpa if his best pals raised the devil he'd stick them right in jail and when their term was over he'd give them a whale of a good party 
his revolutionary habits finally became so annoying to washington that his citizenship was cancelled broken-hearted about it he came home assisted the secret service throughout the european war and was reinstated when he fell ill from old wounds and fevers contracted in central american jungles many old-timers cabled offers of assistance and his old lieutenant colonel guy maloney gave him a blood transfusion but it was too late when the news of his death reached central america more than one president probably heaved a sigh of relief guatemala city was filled with other ex-adventurers all a little jealous of christmas's fame and all inclined to belittle one another they sat about the hotel lobbies spinning yarns about that little affair down in nicaragua or that little scrap up in honduras and if i mentioned to one the story of some other he would snort loudly with derision don't you believe it he's a damned windbag next time he mentions getting that sword stuck through his lung you just ask him if he remembers the mule that got him up against the corral wall and kicked hell out of him End of chapter twelve part one